and welcome to Sort of the Story. This is the Jane. I'm Janie. <laughs> and this is the Max. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Woo! And you are here to hear some stories that we heard and we told each other. I went to Orlando this week and I think it made me dumber. <laughs> you just have permanent sunstroke now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like 120 degrees this whole weekend. Yeah, my, uh, my brain overheated. <laughs> I was in the house alone because Alex was working nights, which means that he has to sleep all day and work uh, 12 hours from 6 p.m. to 6 Mm a.m. And then Janie was out of town. So it was me, two dogs, three cats, and a silent house uh, all night, every (laughs) night. And I just, I spent like six hours using an an X-Acto blade to scrape the paint off of the tiles in my bathroom, mostly in silence. Yeah. I just went fully bonkers. I should not be left alone for that long. (laughs) We decided is either... That you have to live with people or that you're more productive when you don't live with people. Mm -hmm. Our house would be so clean if nobody lived here. I mean, that's true anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So guys, welcome. This is not a podcast for children. We are going to tell each other fairy tales today. And honestly, I got a good one. I think you have a good one. Like, it's from what I can see, they seem like classic fairy tales without knowing what you're doing. But they're not for children. We're going to curse a lot and say some inappropriate things, Mm -hmm. most likely. Also... Just as always, fairy tales as a rule tend to be pretty bloody. So, you know, yeah. content warning for gore usually. Just in general. Not yeah. especially in this episode, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very, I would say, brief violence in mine. But if you've listened to any of the other episodes of this podcast, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we begin, do you want to quickly tell them about where they can find us? I do. Hey, guys. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Sort of the Story. We also have a Goodreads, also under Sort of the Story. And we have a TeePublic, teepublic.com slash user slash Sort of the Story, where you can find merch with some of the dumb shit that we say on it, which is really exciting. Janie's been working on some new designs that are going to be really cool. So, <laughs> Guys, there's a Story Baby shirt. Uh, Max Max said do it in the Barbie font, and now I want that shirt. I'm going to buy I'm that so shirt. I'm so excited. I'm like, I love it. You have to stop making excellent shirts because I can't buy any more shirts. I have too many shirts. My drawers are going to, the bottom's going to fall out of them. But they come in stickers too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look how cute the sticker looks. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so I might get that. But it's our silhouettes with story babies and I am very excited. Speaking of the Instagram. Yes. We got some comments. First of all, a couple exciting things happened this weekend. Mm -hmm. One being, do you remember way back, I did like a Chinese tale, I think, or something like that, but... I told you the whole story about the Buddhist monk going to hell to save his mother, Mm -hmm. Mulian's rescuing his mother. And I couldn't do that story in its entirety because I couldn't find it. And remember, I had spent like weeks, Mm -hmm. genuinely weeks, honestly, kind of like low-key years searching for that story again because I really liked it. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't find it anywhere. And when I was actually looking for it for the podcast, it's just... It's online, but only half. So it's actually like 14 pages long, but only seven of those pages are available online. And I searched everywhere I could. I was willing to pay money to like a JSTOR or whatever, but I could not find it. And so I told you the whole story anyway, as much as I could remember, but it sucked because I was like, I really Mm -hmm. love this story. I wanted to know it. And I was bummed out. I couldn't do it officially on the podcast. Anyway, that was months ago. I woke up to an email, to my personal email, (laughs) which is on my website, but I woke up to an email from somebody who said, hi, I couldn't think of your podcast email, which is just sort of the story at gmail.com. Send us emails. Yeah. (laughs) But you were talking about that story and I found it. 
And then they sent me the full PDF for free. Because, again, I was willing to pay, like, $50 for it. <laughs> they sent me, because at this point, I was like, that's probably going to be what it is, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. they just sent it to me. I have no idea where they found it, because I had searched for it for months, but they found it for me. And I'm not going to do it on this podcast, because I've already told the story pretty much in its entirety. But, like, I have it now. That's so exciting. I know. I took a, a creative writing course at the community college when I was in high school, And there was a story that I read that I was like obsessed with and I couldn't find anything about it for the longest time. And then when I was in college, I like was cleaning up my room and I found my syllabus and I was able to find the story again. It's uh, The Man Who Knew Bell Star. And it was like the best short story I'd ever read and I couldn't find it. Um, There's also, there's a short story called The Murder, I think, by Dostoyevsky. (laughs) Um, But it's like a Russian short story that like I had read at one point and then could never find again that I found a couple years after that. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I've collected it all. <laughs> when it's like in your head and genuinely like the best story you've ever heard, like it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. By the way, her name is Michaela Grace, who reached out to me. And Michaela, I've, I will never stop thanking you for this. This mm-hmm. has been driving me crazy. Thank you um, so much. Yeah. <laughs> also, really quickly, we got a comment that also made me really happy. We've been getting, you guys have been really freaking nice on the Instagram. We've been getting a lot of just really nice, like, messages. Somebody messaged me to be like, what the fuck? It's Twilight? How come I listened to this whole episode and halfway through the second story, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like people, gotcha. are, people are still getting got by the Twilight episode. And so that is forever uh, April Fool's. That's forever going to be our greatest accomplishment. <laughs> But somebody commented on our, I posted a picture a while back of, in February, when I did Leap the Elk Mm -hmm. and Princess Cottongrass. Oh, devastating. Yeah. And so they commented this yesterday. IRC Mama says, I just listened to this today at work and I've been listening this week every day. So (laughs) just kind of cool. Like, hi. This was a gorgeous story. I lost my first child and my second was born with heart issues. And honestly, this story would have likely helped me a lot with the loss. It is absolutely beautiful. And I want to say that your podcast has been incredibly helpful through some very stressful times lately. The stories and the way you both tell them make it so fun and actually pull real laughs out of me. My coworkers are all aware I usually listen to true crime podcasts and likely think I'm laughing at those. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. But I try to spread the word about your podcast as much as I can. Please keep it up. Thanks so much, guys. I already see Mama. That that made my day. Also, to this day, I I still can't talk about that story. Like, the second it connected with me, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to cry every time I think about it. So, um, how sweet. You guys are making us feel real good. Janie's more involved on the social media than I am because Janie's just in general better at social media than I'm I am. I'm never not on my phone, and I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> but, you know, I she's like, but every time I uh, switch over to the Sword of the Story Instagram and I see all of the, like, gorgeous things that you guys say, it, to me, especially because, I mean, very seriously, Janie, you do literally all of the work. So <laughs> for me, it's kind of like I sit down for a couple of hours a week and I tell you a story. But Which for you, it's like... dream come true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like JD puts in so much work and a lot of times I think of it as like, oh, this is just a silly thing that we do, but it's really cool to hear about like, oh, this is a silly thing that we do that other people out in the world that we don't even know really like. Listen and buy merch for? Wild. I started a, and this is a long intro, which we don't usually do, but I started a discourse for my art, uh, TikTok, which some of you might have come here from there but now more and more I'm getting people who come to me from here which Mm -hmm. is cool and so many people on the discourse were like this would be really fun if we 
could hang out with Max on here. Or Aww. it would be really fun. Like, we all think Max is cool. Like, they're such big fans of yours. <laughs> they're like, we talked for, like, a long time about how, like, cool you are. Because we're talking about Hestia. Cut it out. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> a, a while ago, I did a uh, scenarios, what I think Greek goddesses, how they would react if they were at a women's march. And I had said Hestia would would not be at a march because she's not a public person, mm-hmm. but that she would be at her house making cookies and her house would be open as a safe space for anybody who needed to go there. And people were like, no, she would she would be at the march on the sidelines, like handing out water. And I'm like, again, maybe, but also, mm-hmm. I don't see it. And then somebody was like, I feel like Max would have that energy, like the safe space, like you could go to her, she'd hand you cookies. And I was like, you think that because Max hands me cookies regularly (laughs) on my lives, but Max is fully there with brass knuckles, like waiting to fucking fight a cop, like bare knuckle, (laughs) bare knuckle box a cop. It's true. I was like, she's not a Hestia. She's like an Artemis. (laughs) I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I don't want to toot my own horn, but <laughs> I I was at the DC Women's March when it happened. Yeah. Three days before I had had a uh, major surgery and I was like still limping and on pain medication and I was at the Women's March. Yeah. And I was there with like bandanas and milk for people's eyes and a bunch of extra water bottles and shit. You're also uh, six feet tall and you fully put yourself in front of small people. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> Get behind me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like anybody who who's, is on my life, I feel like you put a very different persona out on my lives where it literally is I feel like you at rest which is very nurturing and very much like I made you cookies here's a whole burrito here's like (laughs) a big old thing of soup and I'm like I'm on a line (laughs) eat more you're so thin (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um yeah no you have like a I will bare knuckle box uh, several cops at once yeah vibe I will face God and walk backwards into hell she will be your Ragnarok (laughs) go check out our merch store (laughs) go check out the merch store (laughs) Also, I got to plug this in real life last night, but if you guys are interested in starting a podcast, Ooh. you can check out uh, Buzzsprout. They are the podcast hosting platform that we use. They have tons of tools for creators and like analytics and things like that. So they're a really great platform. We've been using them since we started and they're great. Also, they are affordable. We just recently upgraded to like to allow us more time and stuff like that, but like they are genuinely an affordable option. Oh yeah. So if you're if you're thinking about starting a podcast, they are a really great overall option. They help you with every part of the process. They also have like blogs and newsletters that help you really with co- the tech side of things. Really cool ways to monetize in really simple ways. So if you've been getting some ads, like that's the simplest way that we can make like a couple like cents or even a couple dollars here and there. But like genuinely, since Buzzsprout is not that expensive, like that's eventually going to rack up and start covering this cost. And it's mm-hmm. just from us clicking a button. Like they're fantastic. We love Buzzsprout. Go to the link in our bio. And if you do, they'll give you a $20 Amazon gift card if you do sign up. So if you're ready for your podcast, sign up for Buzzsprout through the link, get a $20 gift card, and get something cool for your podcast. If you start a podcast from listening to our podcast, mm-hmm. tell us about oh your podcast God. so we can listen to your podcast while you listen to our podcast. Oh my God. Let's <laughs> trade podcasts. Just do a little podcast handshake. <laughs> <laughs> little podcast to podcast high five. <laughs> okay. With that, that's a long intro, but it's fine because my story is pretty quick. So it's going to balance out. All right. Um, cool. Well, Max is going first. I am going first. And I'm excited because you got a cool book in front of you and I want to touch it. So uh, <laughs> you want to get started? I do. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm doing my story first. 
now, as right now is when it's happening. As discussed, <laughs> as we've addressed. As previously mentioned, Max will now tell her story. <laughs> for those of you keeping track of uh, Journal Watch 2022, this is the last story in my second journal for this podcast. Oh my God! It's I went all the way to the all the way to the back page on it. And uh, <laughs> so we got a new uh, new journal starting next week, which I'm pretty excited about. What uh, if one day, mm-hmm. okay, like 50 years from now, these are in the Met <laughs> or the Library of Congress? I don't know if that's what the Met does. <laughs> no, the Met like just props up all of your journals full of like sc- <laughs> like the scribblings of a mad woman <laughs> oh, about for sure. fairy tales. The problem is I also don't have, like, a specific handwriting, so it's going to be really hard for anyone to tell. Like, if there's ever a forgery of my work, no one will be sure. Nope, they will never know. <laughs> there's a scene in Catwoman, as which you recently watched. The I did, one with yes. Halle Berry. There's this amazing scene where... <laughs> where she, in the very beginning, when she's just, like, regular old, like, nerdy... Super sexy Halle Berry who <laughs> falls a lot. Unattractive and disgusting. Fucking disgusting. She wears glasses and sweaters. She's really, Ugh. really rich. Like she's she, she's super rich. Has like a multi-million dollar apartment. And she's Halle Berry. And they're like, ugh, this fucking disgusting idiot sometimes <laughs> falls down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everybody's got to have their one, like, flaw, right? Yeah. <laughs> but she's, like, timid, and she writes a letter that just, like, a note that just says, sorry, and she apologizes for something. And then later on, as Catwoman, she accidentally steals a lot of jewels, and so she returns them to the police with a note that says, sorry. <laughs> and it's the same note. It's clearly, I think, just, like, a font. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And so they take it, and Benjamin Bratt's like, I think this might be the same handwriting. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's very specific font. <laughs> the props department definitely, like, reused the same thing. They for did, both, like, a I feel curse like. of, like, Apple Chancery or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they he brought it to a handwriting expert, and he was like, these are almost a match. And he put them on top of each other, and they fit. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and he goes, almost, except this, the space between this S and this O is written by a timid, horrible, nerdy woman. <laughs> and the space between this S and this O is written by a sexy, cool woman. <laughs> and Benjamin Brad is like, what does that mean? And he's like, it means if they ever got in the same room, it'd be hot as hell. And I'm like, would it be? Or, like, the timid woman would just sit in the corner and not say anything. Also, can you imagine being that guy and just, like, reading someone's grocery list and be like, ha I'd fuck her. <laughs> like, <laughs> the guy is masturbating to, like, the fucking PBRs and shit. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but also the, fuck, the fucking laziness of the prop department. Just, like, they didn't even a little bit change it. They just laid them on top of each other and showed us they were the same. <laughs> Uh, it's good. Anyway, that's going to be uh, people uh, examining your notebooks and masturbating furiously. <laughs> My notebooks where it's like, dragon, imprisoned, fights dragon, is swallowed, either has cross or makes sign of cross. She and they're going to be reading. Like, yeah. She just read word for word. In case you think that she just made that up, she opened to, I'm assuming, Margaret. St. Margaret, yep. <laughs> and then just read an insane list. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> This book is beautiful. The book that I'm telling the story from is called White as Milk, Red as Blood. The Forgotten Fairy Tales of Franz Zaver von Schönwert. I'm trying to get the pronunciation correct. Von Schönwert was a contemporary of the Brothers Grimm. Cool. Um, he was actually, 
uh, one of the Brothers Grimm was like his idol kind of. So he was working towards the end of their career and after in Bavaria, collecting stories and fairy tales and things like that. The Grimm Brothers specifically were like, this guy is great. Everyone listened to him. So um, <laughs> he was like the Socrates to their Aristotle. Kind of, yeah. Nice. Um, and uh, he was known for being like incredibly friendly and something about him just made people want to tell him their stories. Whereas like the, the brothers Grimm will travel around and be like, come one, come all, tell us your stories. He would just kind of show up and be like, <laughs> hey, would you like a cup of coffee? And then you would just be like telling him every story he, that you had ever heard. That's what I do anyway to people who don't want to talk to me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I end up telling these stories to like fucking grocery clerks and they're like, ma'am, ma'am, the line. <laughs> I got too into a story about a shipwreck and I've told five people about it so far in graphic and wild detail. One of those being me, and we were gonna say it on the podcast. <laughs> I still will. I yeah. just, uh, just, I can't stop talking about it. And I'm. She was like, can I give you the bare bone? I'm just gonna give you the bullet points. And then like an hour later, <laughs> I had every name and date. <laughs> I was like, you really, like, and you tried so hard to hold it. This is what I love about our friendship and this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. This is why we even do this podcast is because <laughs> this is neither why. of us can ever shut up about cool stuff. <laughs> um, so contemporary of the Brothers Grimm was collecting story tales in uh, Bavaria and that area, like Germany. He was not as successful as the Brothers Grimm. Uh, he kind of like came a little bit later. And so people weren't as interested. And he also, the difference between his storytelling and the storytelling of the Brothers Grimm is that the Brothers Grimm tried to present sort of a unified vision of like that time in Germany where they didn't try to, uh, they like rationalized like the remains of paganism and, you know, earlier religions with Christianity where they were like, actually the pagan stuff isn't going in. We're going to make this all Christian kind of. Von Schoenfurt was not like that. He was like, I'm going to give literally the exact representation of what these people are doing, which I think is really cool. That's yeah, like much better. Yeah, a very ethical way to, to tell stories. But unfortunately, that means that they're not as, they're a little bit not as easy to read because, yeah. it, you know, he didn't polish them up as much. He was like, this is the story that was told to me. I'm telling it to you. Not as like marketable. Yeah, exactly. So he wasn't as successful as the Brothers Grimm. We had a selection of his stories called A Turnip Princess that's been available for a long time. I had that. Mm-hmm. I think you got me that. Maybe. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do. <laughs> but the really cool thing is in 2011, 2009, a researcher in Germany found an archived hidden cache of 500 of his stories Ooh. recorded in like the 1880s or that were have had been lost since the 1880s. Yeah. And they just found it like in a cabinet way back in the archives. So we suddenly had this like massive quantity of stories that we had never had like found recorded before cool. and this just came out a couple years ago that you know now we have all these cool new stories so this book white as milk red as blood is specifically the illustrated version illustrated by willow dawson translated by shelly tanaka with a four by uh, philip pullman basically they came together they found stories that they really liked that were like consistent in their themes and things like that things that were especially illustratable yeah. and they made this illustrated version which is just like one of the most beautiful books i've ever the cover seen. of this book is is the most beautiful cover I've ever seen. Yeah, if you love books and looking at like adult <gasps> illustrated uh, stories and stuff like that, this is just the most gorgeous book I've ever seen. Ah! <laughs> um, this the art style is incredibly beautiful and it's kind so thoughtfully designed. Like, just, 
kind of dark. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's very cool. Yeah, they did a lot of research, so there are a lot of notes. The, this is obviously work in translation, and I think it's it's very elegantly translated. So definitely check out this book if you're interested in that kind of thing. But now, finally, I will get into the story. <laughs> the story that I'm going to tell you is called The Three Hunters and the Three Giants. Once upon a time, there were three hunters, three brothers, and their father had made a promise to go to the Holy Land. But before he was able to, he became very sick and passed away. But his promise still had to be fulfilled. So after they had held the funeral for their father, these three sons and their mother all decided to go on this pilgrimage for him in his name so that he would still be able to hold his promise. Mm -hmm. As they were traveling with their mother, they ended up in the middle of the night in this forest. And they were all like very uncomfortable in this forest. There was something like their skin was crawling as soon as they got in. So they decided that that night they were going to set watches just to make sure that everything was safe. Right. And so they let their mother sleep the whole night. And then the three boys divided up the night into three watches. The first watch was the oldest brother. And as he was standing watch, a bear came towards their campsite and prepared to attack the family. The oldest brother pulled out a knife, and as the bear went to go swipe at his mother, he pulled out a knife and cut off the bear's paw. Oh. Um, and the bear yelped and ran away. Yeah. The oldest brother took the paw, and he dried it out over the fire, and then he put it in his pack. All right. <laughs> when his watch was up, the second brother took over, and the first brother went to sleep, and a wolf came to the campsite and went to attack them. And the second brother pulled out a knife and cut off the wolf's paw in the same manner. The wolf ran off, and then the second brother dried the wolf's paw over the fire and put it in his pack. The final watch, the third brother, decided he he was looking on the ground. He w- wasn't hearing any animals, uh, probably because there was now a, a bear and a wolf running around without a paw, being like, those guys are fucking crazy. Nobody go there. <laughs> they got knives. <laughs> so he decided to climb up to the top of a fir tree that was hang- overhanging their campground and see if he could see anything coming from a little bit further away. He got up to the top of the tree and he saw a tall fire not too far away. Hmm. And looking closer, he saw around the fire were three giants who were roasting venison over the fire and sharing a meal. Nice. Uh, Minding their own business. Maybe leave them alone. (laughs) Maybe leave them alone. Uh, So he takes out his rifle. (laughs) You are in their forest. (laughs) Fucking colonizers. Go ahead. So he takes out his rifle, right? And these three giants, they are sitting around their campfire, and one of them lifts a joint of venison to his mouth, and he's like, mmm, delicious, what a beautiful meal we've prepared. And as he lifts it to his mouth, uh, they hear a shot, and the venison drops out of his hand uh, with a bullet hole through it. Ooh. And the giant's like, oh my god, oh my god. And as he's doing this, one of the other giants is taking a sip from a mug that he's holding and he lifts the mug to his mouth and he's like, oh, what happened? And then a shot goes off and the mug shatters in the giant's hand. <laughs> and he's like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, so no. rude. And then the third giant is like, I think someone's shooting at us. And they're like, oh my God, someone is shooting at us. Who would do that? Unprovoked. <laughs> We're such nice guys. <laughs> and so they look around and they see this hunter up at the top of the fir tree. And needlessly antagonizing them. Like, that's only going to get your mom and brothers killed. Also, he's shooting. They're sleeping. Like, (laughs) you're doing a bad job. This guy is insane. (laughs) They're not even, like, walking your way. You're just leading them to you. Also, it's not like they're like, oh, we have a fire and now we need to find some food. Let's see if there are any unsuspecting campers. They already found a deer killed it, prepared it, and are eating it. They're just having dinner, and then they're going to go to bed. Like, leave them alone. (laughs) Also, 
His older brothers were like, everyone's sleeping. So he cuts off, they like brought out knives, a quiet weapon. Mm -hmm. This guy's like, let me get out my bazooka. (laughs) (laughs) And anger some giants. This guy's a fucking He's just sitting at the top of a tree with a rocket launcher like, sweet dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this third brother is Mel Gibson. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. So they're like, oh my god, I think someone's shooting at us. And they look up and they see him up in the tree. And they're like, hey, are you shooting at us? Aww. And he's like, yeah. And I'm good at it, too. <laughs> and they're like, can you come down? We would like to ask you for a favor. And he's like, okay. And so he climbs down and he goes to the giant's campsite. And they're like, hey, so you're the guy who was shooting at us, right? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, oh, that's so cool of you. And he's like... It was cool of me. Um, <laughs> This is a very weird interaction. <laughs> um, I'm not embellishing. This is what happens. I love this. Okay, go ahead. Um, and they're like, we would love your help because obviously you're a great shot. There's a castle pretty close by. And in the castle is a princess who has been enchanted within. She can't leave. And we keep trying to go in and save her and her massive piles of gold from the (laughs) castle. (laughs) But every time we try to go to the castle, there's this teeny tiny black rooster that sits up on the castle wall. And when we approach the castle, this rooster is super sneaky and it sneaks out and then it crows really loudly Mm -hmm. and wakes up everyone in the castle and they chase us off. Hmm. So what we need you to do is we need you to come with us oh, no. while we try and get into the castle and shoot the rooster before it can crow and wake everyone okay, up. Okay, so is, does this gun have a silencer? Like, <laughs> it would make more sense if he had, like, a bow and arrow. It would. But it specifically says a rifle. <laughs> a loud fucking shotgun. <laughs> um, and he actually put, like, you know when you take a muffler off of a car and mm-hmm. it's, like, extra loud? He's so loud shotgun. He's... Oh no, he's like, he's just living in like the walking dead and everyone else is just trying to have dinner. And everyone else is apparently deaf, <laughs> like in this whole world, can't hear. Um, also, I'm sorry, but while he's gone, they already know there are bears and wolves. <laughs> well, yeah, he's fine. gonna come back and like just see a bunch of really well-fed bears, like, mm. <laughs> Yep, and one of them that's trying to fit like his brother's hand onto its arm as a replacement <laughs> Um, ooh, horrifying. <laughs> I, I'm, that's not how the story is ending, right? Because, no. like, I think you should rewrite it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, so he's like, yeah, I would love to help you with this sort of rooster princess situation. And they're like, great. So they pack up their campsite and they go to the castle. And as they're approaching the castle, sure, as they said, this really small, all black rooster Aww. sneaks out and the youngest brother sees this rooster on the castle walls and it like opens its beak and it's like, <gasps> and then he shoots it. <laughs> he shoots the rooster, doesn't make a sound, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wakes up. And the giants are like, yes, we hated that bird so much. Thank you so much for killing it. And he's like, absolutely. Just in case there's another one, though, I'm going to go into the castle first and then you guys follow me. Okay. And then, you know, I'll make sure that nobody wakes up. That's so hard if the giants went in and just killed everyone. Like, they're like, yeah, and they start ripping off fucking heads and shit. <laughs> that definitely seems like that's their intention. Like, they're going in. They're, it's very clearly, like... Not they're, they're not, not there to rescue her. They're they are trying to plunder this castle and they are being foiled by the guard by rooster. a chicken. <laughs> um, Beware so, of rooster. <laughs> so the youngest brother goes into 
the castle and he gets in the door and he sees there is a massive sword hanging on the wall just inside the door and he's like "Ooh, convenient so he takes the sword down and he hides behind the door and he's like come on in and then the first giant comes in and he cuts off the giant's head and he's like okay and the next one and then the second giant comes in and he cuts off his head and then the third giant comes in and he's like whoa what and then he cuts off his head so he just beheads all of these giants as soon as he's in the castle <laughs> which the, i mean they were definitely there for nefarious purposes but also like what was his plan if there wasn't a sword? And also, what? yeah, like he was like just convenient. He was gonna rob the princess with them, <laughs> I guess. So he kills all three of the giants, leaves their headless bodies on the doorstep. Um, Jesus. And then he climbs up through the castle and he goes to the princess's bedroom, where she is locked in enchanted slumber. Oh, um, don't trust this guy. <laughs> no. And he goes up to her bed and he like shakes her awake. Oh, good. And she's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, she like rolls out of the bed and like hides in a corner and like tries to find a weapon and she's like, what the fuck? Who are you? What's happening? Um, In the story, I'm again, not embellishing. In the story, she's like, oh my God, there's a strange man in my room. Fair. And he's like, no, no, no. Look, here's what happened. And he tells her about the giants and he tells her about the rooster and she's like, oh my God, like you've broken my enchantment. Like now I'm free to leave this place. Thank you so much. And she like warms up to him immediately. She's like, you saved my life. I would love to give you my hand in marriage. And he's like, sick. All right. And she's like, here's my, I'm the princess. Here's a ring with the royal seal on it as a marker of my promise. Yeah. And he's like, that's great. But I do have to, I'm on this pilgrimage. So I'm going to have to go do that and then come back. And she's like, that's fair. (laughs) You know. (laughs) And now I can break up with my other boyfriends. (laughs) They're Uh, asleep somewhere in this castle. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes back to the campsite and he finishes out his watch Everything is fine. They all wake up in the morning and they move on. Mm-hmm. And the brothers, true to the tradition of men who don't tell each other anything, do not mention this story to each other whatsoever. <laughs> they just don't talk about it. They all had this weird shit happen to them. Uh-huh. One of them much more so than the other two. Yeah. But they do not talk about it. Um, and then they continue. They continue on their pilgrimage. They reach the Holy Land with their mother. And they are able to put their father's soul to rest by completing his promise. Mm-hmm. And then they begin to return back to their home. They pass through the same forest. Right? And the youngest brother's on the lookout for a castle, I guess, or like a princess. <laughs> but he's not looking super hard, also. And I don't think he's told anyone about it at this point. Jesus. So they come into the forest and they see that there is a newly constructed inn that was not there when they were there before. Oh. Um, it is a very, very beautiful inn with a huge fenced in garden behind it. And there is a large sign on the door of the inn. And this is the reason why I chose this story because I love this. Okay. There is a large sign hanging on the door outside of the inn that says no cost for the poor, but the rich must pay. <laughs> oh, that's cool as shit. I know. <laughs> Are we allowed to make merch over somebody else's quote? I think so. <laughs> How old is the story? I'm just going to write it down just in case. <laughs> LOL. Uh, check out the merch store. <laughs> yep. No cost for the poor, but the rich must pay. Um, and fortunately, I mean, these, this family, they're pilgrims, they do not have a lot in the first place. And so they are definitely under the qualifier of being poor and not rich. And so they go in and they're like, hey, we're poor. And they're like, we can see that. Would you like some free food? Um, so they have walking this... into every restaurant. Hello, I'm poor. <laughs> they're like, get out and of here. And they're like, then. yes, you are. Then, then, then you should maybe be making your meals at home, you stupid bitch. <laughs> maybe you should have fewer avocado toasts. <laughs> 
I can't. <laughs> so they have this lovely free meal and yeah. they are given accommodations and uh, all the other people in the inn are incredibly nice and they just have like a wonderful night and they're hanging out and the barkeep is like, actually the, the woman who owns the inn uh, just got back from running some errands. Would you like to meet her? Oh. And they're like, oh, we would love that. And they're like, great. She's out in the garden. So they walk out into the garden and this is a beautiful garden. It is full of all these flower blooms and trellises and archways and everything. And they're just walking through this garden, completely enchanted by how gorgeous it is. Mm-hmm. And they come upon, upon this woman, the three brothers, the mother walking through the garden, find this woman. And immediately the youngest brother is like, that's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and he's like, and she kind of looks like the princess oh, who okay. I've only seen in the dark. But I mean, it, she might be like a sister. I don't know. <laughs> uh They are talking to this woman and she's like, you know, I love having travelers come through. Why don't you tell me about what journeys you've been on? You know, it, and they're like, we're returning from a pilgrimage. Our father passed away before he was able to make his promised trip to the Holy Land. And now we're on our way back home. So that's pretty fun. She's like, cool. Did you have any other adventures while that was happening? And the oldest brother is like, yeah, actually in this very forest, if you've seen (laughs) a bear running around missing a paw, (laughs) that was me. We were camped out and uh, in the middle of the night, the bear came upon us, tried to attack us, and I cut off its paw. And the woman who owned the inn is like... That sounds not real. You're gonna t- <laughs> like, you just cut off a bear's paw like it was nothing? I don't believe you. And he's like, no, it's true. And then he takes out the dried paw from his pack. Nice to have proof, right? And so he's like, see, here it is. Here's the bear's paw. And she's like, oh, I stand corrected. You, uh, you did do that. I absolutely believe you. <laughs> and the second brother is like, that's super crazy because I think maybe literally the same night uh, when I was on my watch, we were almost attacked by a wolf. But then I cut off its paw. And <laughs> who owns the end is like, kind of sounds like you just uh, copied it's told the same story as your brother, but then changed some of the details. So I'm not sure I believe you. And he's like, no, it's true. And he pulls out the wolf paw from his pack. And she's like, wow, you guys, all right, well, <laughs> I stand corrected. I guess you guys just have a similar way of dealing with problems. <laughs> and the third brother is like, okay, I mean, that is pretty crazy. But here's what I did. <laughs> I shot a bunch of giants, Betrayed and then they asked me for a favor. Giants. <laughs> they asked me for a favor, and then I killed a rooster, and then I killed the giants, and then I woke up a princess in an enchanted castle, and now she's going to marry me. And they're like, "You that, were, you fell asleep on your the, watch, didn't you, Jimmy? Yeah, like, <laughs> were you eating berries from the forest again?" <laughs> um, and he's like, "No, it's true. I can prove it." And he pulls out the ring from his pack with the king's seal on it nice and the the innkeeper woman looks at it and she like stands up and sort of like walks around for a second and then she comes back and she's like well you're telling the truth (laughs) (laughs) i actually built this in for you i knew that if you were passing back through here and you saw the sign no cost for the poor but the rich must pay you would want to come in and have a meal so i built this in to bring you back this is the truth I'm the princess, nice. and you're super hot, and I love hanging out with you, okay. and we should get married. And he's like, you're super hot, and I love hanging out with you, and we should get married. And the brothers are like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then they got married. And this has the classic, like, and they all live happily ever after that I love. Yeah. Perhaps the most of, and if they have not died in the meantime, they are living there happily still. I love that ending. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's the end. Fantastic! Oh, wait, hang on, sorry, I forgot. Uh, I am the princess, he is my husband, and now here comes my attendant carrying our little son. What? Apparently they have a son? Already? I don't know. <laughs> so he didn't, like, wake her up by shaking her, then? 
I mean, <laughs> uh, huh. but that ending is wild. <laughs> I just, I like a lot of things about this story. Yeah. It's insane that those giants were like, hey, that guy's shooting us. You think he'll do us a favor? Do you think we can trust <laughs> and him? And then he yep. did. <laughs> I also really like that they're like, oh, and then, you know, he rescues the princess and now they'll be married as his reward. And it could have just ended there. But instead it was like, oh, no, he finished what he was doing. And then she also found, like, she created gainful a employment. Business. And, like, <laughs> she was helping out passersby. And then they met outside of the context of them being betrothed. And is now nice. in love with each other all over again. Yeah. And uh, now they're married. That is cool. There's yeah. some steps in between where you get to see them separate from each other. Yeah. It feels less like foregone conclusion. Like, oh, if you save the princess, you're going to get married. It, it's more like... And also, it it was a happy and he also got to marry a princess. Yeah, also, I mean, the good story for him. is called the Three Giants. Yep. So like, it's not even about her. Mm-mm. His big quest was the giants. I guess. <laughs> Literally, there the line in here is. When the first giant followed him in, the hunter cut off his head and shoved the body aside. He did the same to the second and third giants. In the castle, everyone was asleep. That's literally all we get from the giant's <laughs> death is like, and then he cut off all their heads. Anyways, continuing with the story. <laughs> Travel la la, now they're happy. <laughs> also, uh, mention of her building a big, beautiful garden, which I'll get not relevant whatsoever to the story, but they're like, also, she's got a green thumb. Yeah, also, she's out <laughs> in the back. She knows how to uh, plant things. Mm-hmm. The dimensions to this were just absolutely delightful. That is um, a delightful story. Yes, I got this book because it's called White as Milk, Red as Blood. And mm-hmm. we've talked about like color symbolism and stuff like that before, which is why I was interested in this. I wanted to, you know, see what this was all about. Yeah. I didn't know. I had actually, I remember in like 2011, seeing the news story that all of these fairy tales have been found, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't remember until I went to research um, Franz Aver, uh von Schoenvert and... That was the first thing that came up was like, oh, they found all of these stories that were lost to the ages. Super cool that that can still happen. Like, oh, just suddenly we have 500 new fairy tales. Not as though, like, obviously people are still out there collecting fairy tales, but it's like specifically this window into historical folklorism and stuff like that is very, very cool. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool things can still happen, guys. Cool things still going on. I'll add a picture of the Turnip Princess book that you did give me, like, back in, like, 2012. Like, you gave it to me, like, a long time ago. Aw. Yeah. I love it. I know. (laughs) Guys, I'm also going to post pictures of this book. This is, these are the most, like, beautiful illustrations. And also so freaking, like, dark and... Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) Spooky. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there's also there's um, a foreword from the illustrator talking about like how she chose the themes that she wanted to pull out and everything like that and she has a bunch of illustrations of death's head moths throughout this yeah stories which aren't mentioned in any of the stories but she talks about the fact that for a long time in germany it was believed that death's head hawk moths would go into beehives and they would put all the bees inside to sleep so that they could get to the honey um, and she was like that seems like kind of the theme of a lot of these things yes yeah. you know like She's the asleep. idea of like the sleeping beauty and yeah. all, like like a, a bunch of the different stories she was able to connect to this idea and she was like so it seemed like thematically relevant and so I put them in also and they I love fit that. with the illustrations <laughs> they really, really do well. they yeah. are spooky but also beautiful yeah this whole book is like everyone involved with this book is did a great job is <laughs> what yeah. it comes down to it's, it's excellent really good. So, anyways, that's nice. my story. I love that. Now it's time for your story. Now it's time for my story. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Max. Okay, Janie. Max, okay. 
Jenny, okay. So I got a book uh, off of Thrift Books called Wise Women, Folk and Fairy Tales from Around the World, retold and edited by Suzanne I. Barchers. And it's a very cute little book. It's a hardcover. It was owned by a, I assume, young girl named Sarah Adler, because her name's <laughs> on the first page written in ballpoint pen. And there is also a note from, I think, her grandma. Uh, no, from Suzanne Barcher. Oh, my God. What? Yeah, you have a signed copy. <gasps> Sarah, why'd you give this away? I thought <laughs> I said Grandma Barcher. <laughs> I did not put that together. <laughs> it says, for Sarah, may all your wise wishes come true. And it's dated seven nine ninety two. Wow, that's cool, Suzanne. I don't know and if she has you beautiful handwriting. Love Sarah, but I have. She her has book some now. sexy handwriting. It's pretty sexy, but I thought Suzanne was grandma. So, <laughs> um, but this is a beautiful little book of feminist fairy tales, basically, where women are the central characters. And so I'm gonna <laughs> read to you a story today, or retell a story today, called "The Peasant's Clever Daughter," and this was made popular by the Brothers Grimm. Hmm. So it's kind of a cool parallel to your guys. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a German fairy tale. Also, it can be seen in Italy, but also like Spain and mm-hmm. all around. Okay, and I'm just going to get into it. Sick. Get on in there. <clears throat> Once, there was a peasant who, in his entire life, he only had a small house that was pretty terrible <laughs> and a beautiful daughter who was pretty great. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> and they were so poor, they had no prospects, no way of making money. They were just kind of like sitting in their small house, like starving to death. So the girl, who is extremely clever, says like, Dad, go to the king, ask him, like explain our situation, ask him if he'll give us like a small plot of land that nobody's using, that we can, you know, turn into farmland, that we can make a profit. And so he's like, okay, because his daughter is very wise. He's like, I will listen to what you say. So he goes to the king. And he explains it, and the king's like, yeah, okay, I decided to take mercy on you. He gives them a small plot of grassland, which they (laughs) immediately start to clear. And so while they're clearing it, right, the father, like, puts down his, like, pickaxe or his hoe or whatever he's using, and he clinks against something like metal, and he digs it up, and it's a pure gold mortar. And he's like, wow. And he and his daughter clean it off, and they're like, this is beautiful. And he goes, we should give this to the king as, like, a thank you gift. Like, we'll give him his good graces, and he'll be, like, so grateful, you know, and then he'll remember us. And the daughter's like, that sounds like a good idea, but it's not. Because if you give him a mortar, he's going to assume there's also a pestle, and you he's going to want it. So, like, don't give him this mortar without a pestle, okay? And he's like, yeah, but I think that he would really like it. And, like, then, you know, we, we, he would, like, like us. And she's like... Don't be a kiss-ass. Listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) Also, a mortar without a pestle just sounds like a big bowl. It's just a bowl. Yeah. But, like, also, I would like it. It'd be fine. You can still use it, but... I mean, like, it's... I I agree with her that if there is a pestle, it's good to find that first so that the king doesn't take back this land that now is producing gold kitchen implements. Yeah. But, But... Also, though, I wouldn't, if I just found a big bowl, I wouldn't assume that there was a pestle associated with it. (laughs) I know. But she's, like, very much, like, I know how he's going to react. Do not do this. And he's, like, okay. And then she, like, leaves to go, like, pull some weeds somewhere else. And he's, like, I'm going to go to the king. So he, like, immediately (laughs) runs to the castle. And he's, like, hello, your highness. It's me. Uh, He's kissing (laughs) his butt. (laughs) And he's, like, here is a mortar I found. And that says my thank you. And the king looks at it and he's, like. If you have a mortar, then where's the pestle? And he's like, we didn't find one. And he's like, yeah, bullshit. I call bullshit. This is such a nice mortar. There's no way that there wasn't a pestle with it. Like, where's the pestle? You're just going to give me a mortar without a pestle? Like, no, give me the pestle too. 
and that'll be the gift. And the guy is like, we really don't have it, though. And the king um, beats him mercilessly. Oh, my God. <laughs> and throws him into prison until he can produce the non-existent pestle. Sir. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we get a real roller coaster. It's like whiplash from this king. He's so, like, here, take this plot of land. But also, I'm gonna, snitches get stitches, yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, he's like, you know, we'll keep him alive by, like, feeding him and giving him water until he can you give us this pestle. <laughs> but every time the servants go down to give him food, the guy refuses to eat them. All he does all day, every day now, is he just sighs and says, if only I had listened to my daughter... Uh, if only I had listened to my daughter. I should have listened to my daughter. She's so wise. And, like, so eventually they go back to the king and they're like, yeah, he doesn't know where the pestle is. But also he keeps sighing and talking about his daughter. So the king summons him back up and he's like, why are you on a hunger strike? What's so nice about your daughter? <laughs> so he's like, my daughter's very clever and wise. And she told me that if I gave you a mortar without a pestle, that you would want the pestle. And I didn't listen to her. And now look where I am. And the king's like, if your daughter is so goddamn clever, summon her up here. I want to talk to her. So they summon the daughter. <laughs> sure. The daughter, he's like, I'm going to put her in her place for thinking she's so damn clever. And I'm like, she didn't say anything to you. Also, she was right. Yeah, so. also, she is damn clever. So she goes to the castle and the king tells her, I have a riddle for you. <laughs> This king needs a hobby. <laughs> okay, He's just but harassing these peasants. Okay, but no this reason. is the theme. I can't figure I'm like, does his kingdom only have like 10 people in it? <laughs> so the king is like, I have a riddle for you. And if you can solve my riddle, I'll marry you. And she's like, what a prize. <laughs> Great. Can you also let my dad out of prison? <laughs> but that's not coming up. So this is his riddle. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer. This isn't a riddle. <laughs> what has it got in its pockets? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so it says, Come to me not clothed, not naked. Not riding, not walking. Not on the road, not off the road. And if you can do that, I will marry you. I don't think that's a riddle. That doesn't sound like a... That sounds like... You don't have an answer for that. You have to, like, go out and figure... Anyway. Also, the first step of that riddle is, like, Here's my riddle. Get naked. Hey. <laughs> but don't be naked. <laughs> so. You slut. <laughs> put some clothes on. Uh, take them off. Now put them back on again. Get off the road. Back on the road with you. This is a metaphor for uh, feminism and misogyny. A hundred percent. It's impossible <laughs> to be a woman. to be smart, but not too smart. Yeah. So the daughter goes home and she immediately takes off all her clothes. And then she wraps herself in a big fishnet. <laughs> So she's not technically naked, but boy, is that drafty. <laughs> so now she's all and wrapped stinky. up. stinky. I know, right? Like, she's just like, this is the best I have. Then she finds a donkey, right? And she ties the fishnet to its tail. And then she just has the donkey drag her to the castle. <laughs> so she's not riding and she's not walking. She's just kind of being dragged along the dirt like, ugh, my stupid dad. And she's not on the road or off the road? Okay, so then while she's being dragged along the wagon tracks, she takes her big toes and she touches them to the ground and she just drags them along the ground. So technically, I don't know why, but it says she's not really on the road because her toes are just touching it, but she's also not off of it. Like, she's not walking on it at all. She's just, like, being dragged along. (laughs) 
There has to be a more elegant way to do this. <laughs> it's not elegant at all. This is, she, like, I was in my head thinking of solutions. I was like, okay, not clothed but not naked. I've actually read a fairy tale where the solution to that was, like, the woman was, like, she had really long hair, yeah. and so she cut off the hair and made it into a dress. Sure. You know, and then that it's like, oh, you're not naked, but you're, you know. She's a short-haired queen, so she's got to wrap herself in fishnets. <laughs> it's just, that doesn't make sense. But also, like, not riding and not walking, running. That's a good point. So she was like, uh, I guess the only solution is to wrap myself in a stinky old fishnet and get dragged by a donkey down the road. (laughs) Damn. By my ass. Yeah. (laughs) So when she's dragged up, poking out of her fishnets with her dirty toes, (laughs) the king's like, fuck it, let's get married. (laughs) Don't even change. Oh my god, what? The donkey drags her up the aisle. (laughs) The donkey gives her away. (laughs) Everyone cries. <laughs> Not one objection. <laughs> so she is immediately like married off, and then he puts her in charge of all his royal possessions. Like, which I don't know what that means. It doesn't come into play later, but like, you know, she just has a job now. Like, he gives her a title and a job. So cool, years later, right, they've been married for a couple years, and some peasants come to the palace while the king is inspecting his troops. And they have wagons. Some of the wagons are pulled by oxen, some of them are pulled by horses. Which makes more sense to me, Uh but I'm not a peasant, so I can't, (laughs) I can't say. (laughs) So while they're like, you're going to tell me how to be a peasant. I know, I can't. I wouldn't possibly (laughs) presume. You're going to tell me that you have more experience being a peasant than a peasant? (laughs) Please. (laughs) So one of the horses, while they're like parked, gives birth to a foal, which I'm like, icon. Like, she's, like, on a journey, and she just fucking drops a foal. And then the foal is, I'm like... I'm sorry, the peasant does, or the... The horses. One of the horses. The horse. Okay. Yeah. No, the... <laughs> I, this woman gives birth to a baby horse, and it's, like, icon. <laughs> oh, my God. Single mother icon over here. So, the horse gives birth to a foal, and the foal immediately runs between two oxen that are owned by another peasant and lays down between them, right? And this immediately starts a huge fight between the two peasants, because... The first peasant's like, hey, I'm just coming over here to get my foal. Uh, it ran over here. And the other peasant's like, oh, that's my foal. <laughs> and the guy's like, no, it's not your foal. And he's like, it is. It's between my oxen that makes it mine. And the peasant's like, what the fuck? So they get into this huge fight. They take it before the king. And the king is like, all right, well, because the foal ran between the oxen, it's got to stay with them. What? <laughs> yeah. What? This is an old finder's keeper situation. <laughs> it's not even finder's keepers because it's not like he was like, oh, I found this foal unattended. It's like someone was like, hey, there's a foal there. Also, but, like, <laughs> there's no way it's going to survive without its mother like that. You know, like, it's just wild. Also, he's just going to foist parenthood on these two oxen. <laughs> They're not like, ready for that. <laughs> so the first peasant cries a bit <laughs> over sure. the loss of his foal. And then he remembers the queen was a former peasant and she's really kind. And he's like, oh, she's, she's my go-to. Like she's going to understand this. So he runs to the queen and the queen tells him that as long as he doesn't snitch, she's going to help him out. <laughs> she's like, don't tell anyone. Promise. And he's like, oh, I promise. So she tells him, go take a fishnet. My favorite article of clothing. Take my wedding dress. <laughs> and Cast it out in the middle of the road. Just stand in the middle of the road and just cast out a fishnet. And then every once in a while, drag it back in and act like it's really heavy and look in it and, like, cheer. Because act like you have a lot of fish in it. And just do that for a while. And then she tells him what to say. 
So later on, he's in the middle of the road, and the king sees this guy out there who's, like, pretending to fish in the middle of the road with this big net. He's like, is that my wife's wedding dress? <laughs> and he goes, and he's like, he sends a servant, and the servant's like, what are you, why are you doing this? Expl- explain yourself. <laughs> and the peasant replies, there is just as much chance of my catching a fish on dry land as there is an ox having a foal. And the king immediately is like, who told you to say that? Because obviously this peasant's a stupid idiot. (laughs) He wouldn't come up with this clever (laughs) plan. He's got it written down on his hand. He's like, there is as much chunce? Chunce? What's it? The king's like, who taught you to read? (laughs) Beat him. (laughs) Lock him in the dungeon. (laughs) I did throw him in with my my (laughs) father-in-law. And so the peasant's like, no, I came up with this on my own. I'm very smart, my lord. <laughs> and the king's like, no, you're not. You can take a chance on me, my liege. <laughs> take a chance on me. <laughs> and so the king has him beat and tortured mercilessly <laughs> until he fesses up. And so after the guy is like, it's your wife. She told me to do this. The king goes to his wife and is like, you're a lying liar. And you conspired against me. And I don't want to be married to you anymore. Go back to the shithole you came with. And he like divorces <laughs> and her. And take your fishnet. And she's like, oh. And he's like, but leave your dirty socks. <laughs> and so he's like, go back home. I don't, I'm not married to you anymore. And so as is customary, I assume this is customary because it doesn't make any sense. He's like, and obviously you can make one last request, whatever you want to take, you know, pick whatever is best and dearest to you. And you can take that with you. And I'm like, what a wild thing. Is that customary when you divorce someone? But also her dad. Yeah, right. I assume. <laughs> so she agrees. She throws her arms around his neck and kisses him and is like, yes, husband, if this is what you wish, I absolutely will go back to my hovel. <laughs> she says, but why don't you have a farewell drink with me? And he's like, all right, I could drink. And then she like puts like a shit ton of sleeping potion in it. <laughs> and then he like downs his in one shot to be cool. And she like takes a tiny sip of hers and then he passes the fuck out. Then she gets like a servant who I'm worried about. <laughs> To wrap him up in, like, a clean white sheet. And then she carries, like, they carry him outside to the carriage. They take him back to her hovel, and she has him placed in her bed in her horrible, horrible house. So when he wakes up, like, two days later... (laughs) Oh, my God. given so much sleeping potion. He wakes up, and he's like, what? Where? Where am I? (laughs) This is terrible. (laughs) Why am I wearing only a fishnet? (laughs) She's like... Am I pulling this off, actually? (laughs) Tables have turned, my lord. (laughs) wearing only fishnets. <laughs> and thigh-high boots. Woo! <laughs> Slut! <laughs> so he wakes up, and he's like, what happened? And she tells him, Dear king and husband, you told me to take what was best and dearest with me. Nothing is better or dearer to me than you. So I took you with me. And he starts to cry, and he's like, you do love me. And then he marries her again all over again. <laughs> and it ends with, I think they are still together even now. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think they are. <laughs> Literally, they encountered one problem and he divorced her. Also, and then she drugged him and kidnapped him. <laughs> and then they got married again. Yeah, and then they renewed not their vows. <laughs> no, every part of it. Like, I can't figure out. Also, where is her dad? <laughs> Still in prison where he belongs. Good God. So this is Arne Thompson Uther type 875, The Clever Farm Girl, which is a very popular genre. Mm-hmm. And according to Wikipedia, I only included this because this is the first time I've ever seen this, the Brothers Grimm published this in the second volume of the first edition of the Kinder und Hausmarschen in 1815, mm-hmm. right? So Brothers Grimm did this. They kind of popularized this. Their informant was Dorothea Wieman. 
Hmm. I've never heard the Brothers Grimm credit anyone. Hmm. But yeah, she's credited as their informant, which I assume is the person who told them this tale. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. Um, And here's a picture (laughs) that made me laugh. (laughs) It is a massive man with a bad haircut in very fancy clothes, passed out with his pants down (laughs) on the floor. And then the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, like, holding onto a curtain and looking back over her shoulder at him. She has a crown on. And also there's a tiny dog there for no reason. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even notice the tiny dog. <laughs> um, what? This is also, you said it's Arnst Tonson Uther type 875, mm-hmm. right? It actually also fits under um, type uh, 69. <laughs> if, uh, if you love it, let it go. And then kidnap it and bring it back. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna look up what type 69 is. <laughs> ATU 69. Oh, it's just coming up with Arkansas Tech University. <laughs> the 69ers. Hans <laughs> Thompson Uther type 69. Other wild animals. Woo! <laughs> yeah, animals gone wild. And we'll do type 420. <laughs> and type 8008. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to find it. Something about clever foxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, kind of a fun story. <laughs> Why is there a little dog in the picture? And it's also like a mop dog. Like, that dog needs to be groomed. Yeah. <laughs> this story, I think, is wild. The fact that she was like, feminist folktales. And I'm like, I mean, I guess. But the ending of it is that she still stays with the worst king. And also now he thinks he's like the greatest and super sexy and that women love him. Also, sorry, I wanted to say this earlier and I, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Like this one and then Rumpelstiltskin, we've had a couple of times where a king is like... The prize is my hand. Yeah, like, (laughs) I know that I've been harassing you and making your life hell, but if you prove to me that you can complete a task, you get to marry me. You get I don't think anyone wants that. (laughs) I will say this, this does kind of put into mind the idea of feminism and how it has progressed, because this is a pretty... She's... She has agency. The story is about her. Mm-hmm. She's very clever. Like, every step of the way, it's not about her dad or even the king. Like, it's, she's the central focus, right? Mm-hmm. And she gets herself out of everything, and she's clever and kind of funny, and that's it. But the ending still is her cleverness means that she gets to remain married to this terrible king yeah, and not die a peasant. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I read it in 2022, I'm like, oh my god, like, he shouldn't he should be punished at the end of this. Like, yes. But I think that that's the progression of feminism, you know, mm-hmm. is now this is the the default, is that we shouldn't have to marry terrible kings. <laughs> and also, though, he should be deeply punished, or at least embarrassed. I think, here's my ending, right? Okay. Same shit, she knocks him out, kidnaps him, drags him back to her hovel, and then she goes back to the castle, <laughs> and, uh, Puts on the crown. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I took what was most dear to me. The, uh, the, the throne. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> and then he has to be a peasant now. Ha ha ha. Yeah, because she decreed it. Yeah. Oh, shit. I want a. I want that to be a design of a really cool woman sitting on a throne wearing a crown saying, I took what was most dear to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, cool. I like that a lot. Uh, so yeah, that was sort of. Some stories. Yeah, some stories. 
We will post good pictures. Stories. Good stories today. Good stories. Yeah. Not bad stories. Good ones. We will post pictures of these books on Instagram. Hang out with us there and on TikTok and Twitter. Email us at sort of the story at gmail.com. Check out our Goodreads. Sort of the story. Everything's under sort of the story. Nobody really wanted that name, which is I mean, fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, check out the link in our bio. If you're starting a podcast, honestly, use Buzzsprout. You'll like it. Yes. And the link in our bio gets you a $20 gift card. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see you guys next week. Guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I had a long conversation last night about um, a, a, a continuing conversation that I've had at many points in my life about uh, what things are what, like, is toast a sandwich? Well, I mean, if you put something in between it. Okay. Here's what we talked about last night was if you have a slice of toast yes, that is cool to room temperature, mm-hmm. and then you put room temperature butter on it so that it's not, like, in the bread, it's yeah. just on top of the bread, is that or is that not an open-faced sandwich? No. No. Why not? I think... A sandwich. I mean, I guess what you're saying about open face sandwich, but I also I question the validity of an open face sandwich. That's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a sandwich is two pieces of bread with something in the middle. So if you were to put cold butter onto bread and then put another piece of bread on top of it, butter sandwich. What about like a breakfast sandwich that is like biscuits on both sides? Would you say that that's a sandwich? Yeah. What about a breakfast sandwich that is waffles on both sides? Yeah. What about Waffle a breakfast sandwich. sandwich that is, like, croissants on both sides? Yeah. Okay. I think so then uh, bread again, doesn't seem like a qualifier. It just seems like it has to have something on either something side. Something bready. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I also have wrapped... I mean, I've wrapped a burger instead of in buns in lettuce, yep. which I honestly think is a little bit better because you can taste the burger. Mm-hmm. I miss eating beef sometimes. <laughs> I don't. I rarely eat beef, and... Uh, Every once in a I while, I think about on a good burger. I don't miss the taste or anything like that, but I miss just being like, I'll have a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. It's just so simple. Yeah. It's weird. Okay, um, I think we're tested. <laughs>